so, my message this morning is called, Do You See What I See? Now, I'm a big fan of games and puzzles, um, though I'm not always very good at them. Uh, when Jill and I first started going out, I would often uh, play, we'd play a game with Jill, uh, we would both play, and uh, at the end of the evening, the next time we had that maybe date night, I'd bring a new game to play, mainly because I always got beaten by Jill on the game that we played. I mean, you name it, Settlers of Catan, Legretto, uh, Ticket to Ride, many more. Lost them all. Lost them all. I mean, it probably teaches me humility. Um, but I was just so gutted. I love all these games, and I couldn't, I couldn't beat her anything because I like winning too. But never mind. And then also, uh, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy Sudoku. Does anyone enjoy Sudoku? Yes. Yeah. So, like, what on earth are you on about? Uh, so I also used to love. I, I worked my first ever job was as a groundskeeper, and my lunchtime uh, entertainment was a big book of Sudoku that I would just uh, fill in every day. And my colleague as well, he had a similar book, though it wasn't Sudoku. It was Optical Illusions. So it was like those uh, pictures that you see, that you see one thing to start with, and then if you look, maybe squint a bit, uh, look really hard at it, you'll see something else as well. And I thought today, just to kick off, I'm going to have a couple of optical illusions that are going to appear on screen. So I want you to shout out what you see. So this is my first optical illusion. Right, what do people see? Who sees a duck? Who sees a rabbit? There you go. So the rabbit's nose is there, and that's the duck's beak. That'll start you. Next one. So do people see an old lady? Or do they see a young lady? Young lady? Old lady? So the old lady, that's her nose there, which is also the young lady's cheekbone. There you go, that's a wee help. And finally, this is a relevant question. What colour are these trainers? Wait, so, so right, hands up. Who sees pink? Okay, hands down. Who sees green? It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? I, I, can, I don't know how people see pink. So, the reason, the reason I'm showing you that, and you can debate that after for, with, over coffee of whether you see pink or green. The reason I'm showing you that, we all just calm down. Just calm down. I did not expect such heated debate over that, but never mind. The reason I'm showing you that is that sometimes when we look closer at things, there another picture appears. There's a hidden layer. And um, in this passage today, it's all about our sight. And the context is that Jesus has been going around the land. He's been teaching. He's been healing. He's been bringing the kingdom of God into all areas. He's just fed 4,000 people. And he's journeying to this place, Bethsaida. And he warns his disciples to be alert and to be aware of the leaders of the time. And he says about the yeast of the Pharisees. Be aware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And then actually the, Pharisee, uh, the disciples are then like, oh, have we not got it? Is that because we didn't have any bread? And Jesus says these things. He says, do you still not see? Do you have eyes but fail to see? Jesus is making it clear to his disciples, there is more to this life than meets the eye. And today we're going to be looking at that subject of sight, and in this passage, how Jesus talks about sight in a physical sense, but also in a spiritual sense. So why don't we read Mark chapter 8, verse 22. 
And if anyone wants to give around a Bible, that would be wonderful. It's on page 761 of these purple ones with the purple back. I have no idea what it is in the other ones, but 761 in these ones. They came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he had spat on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, Do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home, saying, Don't even go into the village. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Messiah. And Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. I'm just going to pray for us. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And Lord, I just pray for us. Would you give us eyes to see today? We believe all scripture is God-breathed. Would you breathe on us today? Would you speak life into our lives today? Amen. So, there's two points I really want to make today about sight. My first point is that we don't want to let our, our past skew our sight. So Jesus reaches this place, Bethsaida, and these uh, friends of this blind man come to him and they beg him to heal this man. They come towards him like, you've got to heal our friend, you've got to heal this blind man. And the first thing Jesus does here, which is really interesting, is he takes that man outside of the village that he's in. And then uh, there's a whole story where he, uh, he, he puts his hands on his eyes, he puts spit in his hands, and he prays uh, for this man. And he says, can you see? Can you see now? And the man's like, well, I can see, uh, but everything looks a bit blurry. Everything looks like trees, so the people look like trees. Uh, so then Jesus prays for him again, and then he sees clearly again. There's that lovely little triplet where it says about his uh, sight being restored and all those things. But the next thing that Jesus says to this man is he says, don't even go into the village. And um, there's a lot to unpack there. But my question, my question that came out when I read that is what on earth happened in that village? There's something fishy about that village. He was so deliberate. Jesus was so deliberate in avoiding that village. He takes the man out and he warns him not to go back. Uh, we see in other uh, passages where Jesus has healed, as he said, maybe don't tell anyone what happened. Or for some people, uh, we talked about the demon-possessed man in Mark chapter 5. He actually says, go back. Go back to where you came from and tell them what has happened. Almost like he's sending him out as a missionary. But in this passage, he says, don't go back into the village. That strikes me as Jesus is saying that sometimes our past, what we have that holds us back, uh, can skew our vision, can skew our sight. Either our past, our environment, our experience are things that can skew that. 
He knew some, Jesus knew something was wrong, and then he knew it needed to be avoided. And it might have been similar to what Shakespeare was saying when he was saying, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark. Or my preferred quote, what Obi-Wan Kenobi said of Mos Eisley, that you will never find a more wretched, wretched hive of scum and villainy. I don't know. But something was wrong with that village. And Jesus knows that our past, some locations, our experience can skew our sight, can cloud our judgment and blur our vision. And if we want to see what Jesus sees in us, in our life, in our world, in our communities, for some of us, we need to deal with our past and not allow it to affect our sight. So when I was younger and a student, I loved going out to nightclubs. Uh, I like to think I was a nightclub connoisseur, but really I wasn't because I ended up usually in one place, which was Liquid Aberdeen, which if you know, if you know Liquid, you'll know that I'm not a nightclub connoisseur. And also, they've changed the name now. It's now Institute. I'm, it's so long I've been out, I still call it Liquid, but apparently it's Institute, and apparently no one goes there. So there you go. Um, but for a couple of years, I loved going out on a Friday night, a Saturday night. I loved the music. I loved the people. I loved the freedom. I loved many other things that I won't go into. But then Jesus got a hold of my life. And I realized that the acceptance, all the things like why I was going there, all those things, that acceptance I'd been looking for, I found in him. And I knew that my life was transformed. And I knew that I had to live for him. So I gave my life to Jesus when I was about 19. I'd grown up in church, but I knew then that was when I had to live for him. I couldn't live a half-life. I couldn't do half and half, but I had to live fully for him. And then maybe a couple of weeks after that, uh, I got invited by my mates to go to Liquid. And I went. And I was like, this is going to be great. I'm a Christian. I'm a, I have this new love for Jesus. And I'm going to find everything that I loved about this place. I'll still love. And I was shocked when I went in there. Because everything I loved was the thing that actually was holding me back. And was the thing that actually, I was like, I don't love that anymore. Actually, that really grinds me. I, I saw, instead of loving the people, I saw the brokenness in people. I saw, gosh, people are feeling themselves with alcohol and all other different things to find love when they can find that in Jesus, in that relationship. Or I saw um, the kind of fakeness of the marketing, that if you drink this, if you be here, you'll complete your life. And I realized, actually, that's, that's not true at all. I just saw the darkness that surrounded that place as well. And when Jesus transformed my life, I saw things through his eyes, not my own anymore. And for me in that time, as a really young Christian, I knew I had to leave that place in order to walk with him. I knew to, to be able to see what Jesus sees, I needed to get out of there. And so I did. As my life was transformed by Jesus, I knew my past couldn't hold me back. And I had to make that step. I had to walk in that and say, actually, no, I can't do that anymore. That Verse 25, there's a lovely little sentence there. It says, his eyes were opened, his sight was restored, he saw everything clearly. And almost that's like a process of transformation, where it's like his eyes were opened, the eyes needed to be opened first, then the sight needed to come in and be restored, and then the kind of clarity of vision then needed to come in and needed to make him see everything clearly. 
Almost like the Father, he opens our eyes. Jesus comes in and says, this is the new sight I have given you. And the Holy Spirit says again and again, I'm going to clarify your vision. I'm going to help you see clearly. It's like that transformation over and over again. That's what we need. But interestingly, in that passage, it said the man's sight was restored. So to me, that suggests he had sight at some other point. I don't know if that's um, historically accurate, but when that jumped out to me, I thought, gosh, he's had sight before, and then it was restored. And for me, I'd had sight before. I'd grown up in church. I'd seen glimpses of Jesus. I'd seen glimpses of what he called me to be. But it was when I had that encounter with him that my sight was restored. And at that time, I knew I had to get out of that environment. I couldn't go back. So my challenge, one of my challenges for us today is what is our village? What is the village that Jesus is saying to us, don't even go to that place? For me, it was the lovely liquid nightclub. But what could that be for you? Could it be a place or could it be something that has happened in your life, your experience? Maybe something that you've done where you're like, I just feel so bad about that. And God is saying, actually, you need to just step away from that. You can't just wallow in that but actually move on, move forward. Or maybe something that's been done to us, something that we harbor bitterness or resentment or unforgiveness. Or maybe Jesus is saying, you need to leave that place. Everything we see can be through the lens of our past and our experience. And Jesus today wants to break that veil, that lens, and let us see what is in our lives for our community and this nation as well. So what is our village? What is the village that Jesus says, just don't even go there again? I loved what Corrine brought last week where she'd said about experiencing freedom from spiritual chains. We've already seen that's available today and we'll have time at the end. But what is holding us back from that? What's skewing our sight? So that's my first point, that we don't want to let our past skew our sight. But secondly, that spiritual t- sight requires a touch from Jesus. So he says, don't go back into the village. And then he says, then we see how Jesus heals this man. He doesn't touch him once, but he touches him twice. And um, sometimes it says that uh, his sight before was blurry. He just saw his trees. And it was only after that second touch did he see clearly. So I just want to throw up a couple of images on screen uh, that are going to show us uh, uh, famous people. And they're blurred out. And then we need to guess who they are. So here we go. Does anyone know who that is? Jennifer Lawrence, good guess. Not quite. Anyone else? Who said Beyonce? Beyonce. Yeah. Queen Bee. Next one. Yeah. Uh, Some of you guessed it. It's my life role model, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. There he is. Handsome man. Uh, Who's this? Yes. Probably the American flag in the background gives that away, Barack Obama. And finally, who's this? <laughs> the sigh of Harry and Meghan. There you go, the lovely couple there. So these images, we didn't fully know who they were until we saw them a second time. And when we see clearly, they were instantly recognizable. We all knew who they were, probably. But when they were blurred, we were like, who are they? I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. Our sight was skewed by that. We see a similar situation in this uh, passage with both the physical and the spiritual sight of Jesus with this man. He takes the man out of the village. He prays for him once. 
The man sees blurry, then he prays for him again, then he sees clearly. And that's an encouragement for us all, that when we pray for healing, that we can pray again and again. And we'll have an opportunity to pray for healing again at the end of the service. But also, we see spiritual sight being restored. Jesus asks the disciples two questions. He says, who do people say I am? And then he says, who do you say I am? And he says, who do people say I am? They're like, oh, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Moses. It's like, I don't quite see it. It's kind of a bit blurry. Some people say you're a prophet. I'm not sure. And then Jesus looks them in the eye and he says, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? And it's like Peter's spiritual eyes in that moment are opened. And he says, you are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. It's like this person that Israel has been longing for. Peter finally sees that within Jesus. He says, you are the Messiah. I imagine Jesus in that moment, he maybe wants to go and give Peter a bear hug, pat him on the head and say, yes, you've got it. It's only till Peter answers that question in a personal way that he sees Jesus for who he is, the Messiah, the Savior. It's a poignant moment for Peter. It's a poignant moment for this gospel where we've been seeing who is Jesus and then suddenly it's going to turn around about where he goes next, what he does next, his end goal is. But also for Peter, it's a high moment, but then there's also valleys to come as well. The next passage that we'll read next week, actually he says, he said, just after he says, you are the Messiah, he says, actually, I, I don't want you to be like that. That's not the Messiah I think you should be. And Jesus rebukes him. He says, that's not right. You do not see the mind of God, but you see only human concerns. And then Peter again, as we read his story, we see that he, uh, when asked about if he knows who Jesus is, he denies Christ. But then he is restored again later on. And for us, we are Peter in this story, whether we like to admit it or not. We are Peter because we have those moments where we're like, I see you so clearly, Jesus. I see you. I see you in everything I do. But then also we have moments where we're like, I just, I don't know. I don't know who Jesus is anymore. Who is he to me? We have those moments in our lives. But for us to continue to grow in our faith, we need to keep receiving from God and have that fresh touch again and again from Jesus. We need to receive from him again and again in this life. Because this is a long haul sometimes, this life. We need to receive again and again. And when I think about the most common eye problems that people face, is that when we, people require glasses, it's either usually because of one or two things. It's because they're either short-sighted or because they're either long-sighted. And um, this always confused me. I always thought it should be the other way around. But short-sighted is when objects far away are blurred. And long-sighted is when objects really close uh, are out of focus and are blurred. I always thought that should be the other way around. That makes much more sense. But anyway, I'll have a go at the opticians later. Um, But I think the challenge that Jesus is setting us today is where have we become short-sighted or where have we become long-sighted? And almost he's wanting to come and to minister to us and to heal us of that. And short-sighted, for some of us, we've become a Christian uh, for a long, uh, we've been a Christian a long time, but we've forgotten the long vision almost of why we're here, what we're here on this earth for. Jesus is wanting us to stop being bogged down maybe in just little things in our lives that get in the way that are right in front of us, but actually look up, fix our eyes, look up to him and, and see, oh, Jesus, 
There you are in all your glory. You are who you say you are. I want to be part of your vision to uh, go out and make disciples of all nations. I want to go out. I want to heal the sick. I want to uh, preach to the, those who are lost. I want to uh, help those who lost their sight being restored. Almost Jesus is saying, look up for us. Look up and see that bigger vision. Let's not just be bogged down in our, time, in our little things that for some of us feel big. But when we look up to the bigger vision, they actually become much smaller because our God is bigger than we think he is. And help us to see once more. For some of us, Jesus may have given us dreams uh, of planting churches or ministries or um, businesses or families. And we've maybe lost that dream. We've forgotten what those dreams look like. I feel Jesus is saying today, look up, wash our eyes, remind us of those things. Spark those dreams into life. But for others, we're maybe long-sighted. We see the end goal. We see where we want to go. But we don't always look at the next step. So we're always going towards, maybe I'm going to plant a church. I'm always going to go towards that. But then no idea what comes next. Or I'm going to start this business and maybe we don't idea what comes next. Feel Jesus is maybe saying, just look around you. See what's in front of you. Or maybe for some of us, it's like the grass is always greener in the longer vision. And it's like, oh, if only I was at that stage of life, or only if I was at that stage of life. And I feel that for some of us, Jesus is saying, enjoy where you are. Enjoy where you are. Don't think, oh, my life would be better of this. But actually, look around you. Have that time to enjoy life again and again. Whether that's, oh, I wish I was married, or I wish I had kids, or I wish I had more kids, or I don't know, I wish I had a job. I wish I had a better job. I wish I had a house. I wish I had a better house. I almost think Jesus is saying, just look around you. See what you have now and enjoy that and go on towards that vision, but step by step, not always looking at the next thing. So Jesus is desperate for us to see what he sees. So what is our response to that? He's desperate for us to not let our past skew our sight. He's desperate for us for that spiritual touch to be an ongoing process, to have that Jesus touch again and again. But what is our response? For some of us, there's something physically wrong with us. And we've prayed about that this morning. But I want to offer another opportunity to pray for that again. It might be physical sight. You might not be able to see clearly or you might have blindness in some way. We would love to pray for you. And um, also I'd want to encourage, if you're passionate about healing, if you're passionate, feel like a real heart for prayer for healing, I'd love you to come to the front and to pray for those people that come forward. But also for some of us, it might not be us that's physically unwell, but it might be that we need to stand in the gap for someone today who is physically unwell, maybe not even here. It's said in that passage where uh, his friends begged Jesus to heal this blind man. Maybe for some of us, we need to be that friend today who begs Jesus and says, please, would you heal my family member? Would you heal my colleague? We're going to offer prayer to do that as well. But also this passage is about spiritual blindness. And maybe you've never experienced God's love before. Maybe you've been blind to it until now, until we've started talking today, that you've actually seen, oh yeah, that's what it is. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Maybe Jesus is wanting to open your eyes for you to see him as he sees you. He's standing there in front of you, waiting for you. You just need to see him. We'd love to offer prayer. If you want to become a Christian today, if you want to see Jesus for the first time for who he is, we'd love to pray for you. But also for some of us, that spiritual blindness has clouded our vision. 
whether short-sighted or long-sighted. Instead of seeing Jesus, we just see our past. We just see our experience. We need to be filled by him again and again. To have that touch from him again. Either to see the hope on the horizon or to enjoy the now and to get stuck in. There's so many things that we can respond to this morning. But just, I want to finish with this. It's probably the most famous hymn. Uh, if you asked anyone a hymn, they would probably say the hymn that they would know would be Amazing Grace by John Newton. I just want to read uh, a couple of lines from Amazing Grace. It says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Was blind, but now I see. Jesus is asking us, do you see what I see? Are you blind? Come to me and you can see. Let's stand and I'll pray for us. Why don't we stand?